0: This is the Hockey News Podcast.
1: Hello, everybody. The Hockey News Podcast is back. It's Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell and Ryan Kennedy. We are sort of back to our normal digs. We're not in a hotel room, we're not, uh, we're opening oh, our coke sure. cans. <laughs> like, oh, yes. Ken, open it all over me. The bastard. <laughs> The Coke just sprayed onto my nose. That's not very nice to say about me. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, everybody, we're not in a hotel room. We're not uh, over the phone, snowed into our homes. We're at our studio, and uh, now we're covered in Diet Coke. But uh, other than that, sort of back to normal. Lots to talk about this week. Uh, I guess we may as well start with the big trade between the Penguins and the Panthers. you got Nick Bugstad and Jared McCann going to Pittsburgh. Florida gets Riley Sheehan, Derek Broussard. 2019 second-round pick, and uh, two different fourth-rounders also in 2019. So it's pretty apparent what's going on here. Pittsburgh is, they're trying to solve that third-line center problem, and they may have it with Bukestad. They're taking on two young guys with turn left on their deals, right, in Bukestad and Buchan. And the the Panthers, evidently, are trying to clean out. they got two UFAs coming in, in Broussard and Riley Sheehan. And presumably to pursue Bobrovsky and Panarin? I don't know. So let's just start with what do you guys think of the trade for each team?
2: Well, on the surface, it's a bunch of bad players being traded for one of <laughs> Really, it is. I mean, Derek Broussard has not been very good this year at all. Uh, Riley Sheehan, in my opinion, is a dime-a-dozen guy. Doesn't, doesn't give you near enough offense for uh, the role that he plays. Um, so I, I mean, you look at it on the surface and I would say that I think Pittsburgh got the better part of the deal. Um, you know, and, and I've had people say to me, oh, well, you know, they gave away all these draft picks and they can't, you know, restock their future. They don't care about that right now. (laughs) They have of Jenny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. They have them, you know, in, they've got maybe two or three more years left of like prime production from some of these guys, the Phil Kessels, the, you know, and, and they're going for it. And, and I I don't think they care three down, three years down the road if they're going to be finishing 32nd overall in the NHL, they'll just, that what they'll do is they will, they'll finish 32nd overall and then the next Sidney Crosby will come again and they'll pick them first overall. (laughs) I, I don't think they care one bit about the future. They are going for it now. They've got a window of a couple of years where they can maybe win a, maybe win one more cup, maybe two. Uh, and even that's gonna be a tall order. And I, I think, you know, kudos to them for going for it. Bukestad's been a guy who I think for over the course of his career has been a bit of an enigma. You look at him and you go, Why isn't why doesn't he put up better numbers than he has? And he has had some decent offensive seasons. And I think, you know, coming into that Pittsburgh situation where he'll, you know, either be a third line center and not face, you know, a lot of difficult matchups or he'll be able to you know play shotgun with either you know Malkin or Crosby I think could bring out you know some good things in him
0: yeah and you know coach Mike Sullivan after the game in Toronto on the weekend I you know I, I asked him what Bukestad brings and and one of the things he said was versatility um, and okay. obviously Malkin missed that game uh, due to injury right. so Bukestad was playing center but um, as you said, he could very well be a winger. He did play wing in Florida uh, at times. So for me, I, I'm totally with you on the logic of the trade for Pittsburgh. I just think that like they're already done. And I get it. If you have Crosby and Malkin, you've always got a chance. But it feels like they've that roster has just denigrated over the years to the point where you know, like, if Matt Murray gets a cold, their playoffs are done. Right, right, right. right? And, and you're right. They, they do have to go to it, but I remember talking to a scout a couple of years ago who said, you know, eventually Sidney Crosby will not be a number one center right. in the NHL, right. and you, you can't replace him. You know, like, I mean, maybe, as you said, you get lucky and you, you get the number one pick overall, and that player right. happens to be right, right. incredible, but eventually the Penguins are going to have a reckoning, it just depends on when it is, and I, I would like to see them stop trading draft picks at this point, just because, like, what do their scouts even do these days, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, nobody for them.
1: Six, their last uh, six first-rounders, they've picked one, or last seven, they've picked two, and it was uh, Derek Pouliot and Kasperi Kappen, and they traded those two, and right. the other five they've traded away. Yeah, yeah just, you know what, wow.
2: I, I still like what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, yeah. they owe, I think they owe it to Crosby and Malkin, because mm-hmm. those guys have... Sidney Crosby saved the Pittsburgh Penguins. True. You know, I mean, Marion Lemieux saved them before that, and they may need saving again someday. Um, But you know what? Like, draft picks be damned. Like, a second and a third, like, those guys may never turn out to even... Come close to playing in the league, so you know I'm 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 good. I'm down with what they're doing. Like yeah. you know, worry about three years from now, three years from now. Yeah. It's uh, worked yeah. out pretty well for this franchise doing it that way. I,
1: I agree. And they, I always use the analogy of the Seinfeld episode where Kramer pushes the gas tank way past the limit, and they just mm. keep going until it breaks down. And we know what's coming. We saw Chicago yeah. and LA. What's happened? That's that will be Pittsburgh's fate eventually. Yeah. Yep. The only criticism I have of the trade is, was it enough? And I was excited for Pittsburgh's sake when I heard things like Pittsburgh was chasing Kevin Hayes to be their number three center, or mm. maybe even a Matt Duchesne. Those guys are rentals, of course, so at least with Bugstad, you're getting a guy who's under team control. But if Pittsburgh's really all in, might it have been worth it to just chase a bigger fish? Or maybe did Pittsburgh does not have the assets to get a Kevin Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who
0: do you trade at this point if you're Pittsburgh? Like You don't have a lot of picks, and I mean, the prospect cupboard is super bare and, and I agree. I mean, it's for a good reason. When you win championships, it does not matter if you are in salary cap hell like the Blackhawks were for a while. It does not matter if you have zero prospects like Pittsburgh. The end goal is to win cups. Both those franchises did it, so it's all gravy from here. And,
2: and you know, I mean, like you say, I mean, it's it would be tough for them to land a Matt Duchesne or Kevin Hayes. And, you know, I mean, I think Jim Rutherford is looking at this and going, I don't want to be stuck at the after the trade deadline with nothing, because that could very well happen. Because we know that, we know that the Kevin Hayes, Matt Duchesne, if Mark Stone goes on the market, you know some of these guys, and Artemi Panarin, like it's going to be a king's ransom for those guys. Yes. And and the the, the closer it gets to the deadline, the higher those prices are going to go, and Pittsburgh's just. Not going to be able to do it at some point. They're mm. just not going to have the assets to hang with a team yeah. that might have them. So then you're then you're going okay, okay. Well, now we're getting frozen out. Okay, now oh, Bukestad's already been traded. Mm. Okay, so now we get nothing. So I, 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 it's proactive, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I think Jim Rutherford is a is a damn good GM, mm-hmm. and uh, if he thinks that this is the right move, I mean, it always, you know, it isn't always the right move, but. I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to defer to the Wiley veteran on yeah. this one. And yeah. do we
1: think uh, there's some validity to the theory that the Panthers are going to be loading up when free agency comes, chasing Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin, and do you think they're trying to clear the deck? In hopes of chasing both, do you think there's I sure
2: logic so, to that? I, I don't know what the hell they're doing otherwise.
0: Like, <laughs> I then, have
2: no, I have no clue what this team is doing. What, yeah. what identity they're trying to forge? What they're trying to I, do? I never do. like. I, yeah. I have no clue. What, you know, I mean, Dale Talon came back, and he should have been back. He should have never left. But I, I'm quite frankly, I'm baffled by this whole organization. Like they should be way better than they are. Yeah. They should have been a better team than they are. And what they're going to do this year is they're going to do what they do every year. They suck for the first half of the season. And I guarantee you, in March and April, they'll lose like one game, and they'll finish five points out of a playoff <laughs> run. And everybody will be saying, oh, okay, wait till next year. Right. I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it. I don't yeah. even know. I can't even begin to figure this uh, this
1: enigma out that yeah. is mm-hmm. the Florida Panthers. Well, it's an organization that says Jonathan Jonathan Marchessault, you are a terrible
0: hockey player. We cast you out. We we expose you in the expansion draft. Yeah.
1: Okay, whatever. Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't understand. And there no. is talk that Brassard could get flipped to Columbus in a potential Bobrovsky deal. That obviously Florida would want to lead to a contract with Bobrovsky long term. My question, of course, is what do you do with? All the other goaltenders you already had. Yeah. 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 But I'll let them figure that out. Yeah, they'll they'll figure it out somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Moving over to the Carolina Hurricanes right
1: now. And I thought the sort of post game celebration equals fun in most people's eyes debate was over. But now we have them upping their game, if you will, with Duck Duck Goose. And then you have Elias Lindholm, former Hurricane, post game, Mm. mocking the team. And that's kind of suggesting there's at least a certain part of hockey culture other than Brian Burke who doesn't like what they're doing. I personally, I'm still in the camp. I'm like, Duck, Duck, goose, whatever you want. Red Rover, keep it going, boys. Love it. What about
2: you guys? Have you changed your stance at all? No, I'm, I'm where I was a couple of months ago when we talked about it. It's not particularly my cup of tea. Um, but they don't care what I think. You know, they, they don't care what a 56-year-old guy thinks. I, I think they're, they're trying for a new demographic. What I'd like to see, what I think would be interesting is to see what... The Carolina Hurricanes concession sales are like in the third period Ah. because people are when they're winning, people are sticking around for the end of the game, yeah, for no other reason than to just watch what they're what bag what trick they're going to pull out of their bag this time. So it'd be interesting to see if there's a like if if before there was a big drop off in that and now there's Mm. a certain I don't know, but anyways, you know what? It's it's like I said, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not particularly fond of it. I don't really care. Um, but it's not hurting anybody, and they seem to have something going with it. So, you know, really, is anybody getting killed here? No, don't <laughs> think so.
0: Yeah, mm. I didn't particularly like the Duck Duck Goose, but it's. I just think that they've done a lot better, like Brock McGinn with the Thor's Hammer. I think that was like the high water mark, other than you know the original. So I think they've done a lot of good ones. Um, it, it does get into the realm, and, and Justin Bourne put put this out on twitter that once you're playing duck duck goose you're basically saying we're not a playoff team <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like we're, we're we're having fun here and that's great i love that we're having this com- like that yeah. sentence
1: think about that sentence i yeah. love that we're having that conversation yeah
0: yeah exactly so i mean i'm, I'm not against it I, I think they're having a lot of fun and it's great for the fans um but i i do see a little bit of we can do whatever because it doesn't really matter well and they're
2: it's probably fun. like i mean Truth be told, they're probably running out of stuff to, to do. There's also that. You know what? I mean, like, this is, it's pretty, these are pretty elaborate. Yeah. And they can't just go, okay, let's just do it. Like, they can't talk about it five minutes before. Mm. They're going to have to practice it and everything and rehearse yeah. it. <laughs> That's what blows my mind.
1: And just all due respect to hockey player culture, I just can't, I, I, I almost want to, I want one of us to go down there and do a story on it and learn more about it because I can't picture some of these guys going through those discussions and planning mm. out these Well, what routines? do they see to
2: Nito, Nino Niederreiter when he comes there, right? Yeah. I know you got traded here. You may think this is stupid, but we're doing it and you're going to do it too. Hmm. You know? I mean, they've gotten buy-in from everybody. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is because Justin Williams is such a, you know, he's such a forceful kind of leader that way. Yeah. Um, so he, they've managed to get buy-in from everybody. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, really, it's like, boy, if, you know, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I can be as curmudgeonly as the next guy. As no. You yeah, I no. You? no,
0: no, no, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, we can, we can stop any time now. <laughs> but I mean, how curmudgeonly can you be for yeah. this to be for yeah. this to get up your keister? You know, like it's, <laughs> really it's not the, a, you know the Canadian way. All, yeah, that, yeah,
1: yeah, all yeah. that. It's yeah, it's crazy. And
2: they're not. Well, they might be a playoff team, but they're probably not. They're in the, they're in the hunt. Yeah.
1: Everyone's in the hunt these days. Yeah. Uh, speaking of in the hunt. Another transition for y'all. Mm. Uh, Columbus. We know Columbus is still in the hunt, which all year has made their dilemma with Panarin and Bobrovsky difficult, uh, but it seems things have gotten even more complicated now that Dan Milstein last week says, officially, we are not talking contract with Panarin, so we know that it, well, we know there's no deal happening, and it almost seals Panarin's fate as a Blue Jacket. Very close. Yeah,
2: right? I, I, I wasn't surprised to hear that at all. Like, I, I just assumed at the beginning of the yeah, season... Really. It wasn't going to happen at all. But yeah. I, I think it's more the public announcement. To me,
1: yeah, the public yeah, yeah. announcement yeah. is almost like a "hey, offers welcome." That's what I interpreted it as. So what I'm wondering now is, if you're kick a line, and do you do it? Is there any trade that you can conceive of that would work that would help Columbus stay competitive now
2: because they have a chance this year? They have a good team. Yeah, they're in. They're in the second. They're in the second wild card spot. But still, as we speak right now. Right. But I mean, yeah, they're dropping like a rock. They've and like Tortorella called them out last week, they suck, they're this. And mm. maybe it's a distraction, you know? right?
0: That's yeah. another oh, point sure. to consider, right? Yeah. Well, so, Bobrovsky hasn't looked the same this year. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Do you, So do you guys think, will Panarin get traded by February 25th, straight up? Mm. I don't know if he will, but uh, I have a scenario that I think is kind of interesting because uh, obviously whoever gets him is going to want to get a deal done, he's not going to be a... Re- I don't think he's going to be a rental. He's not going to talk deal.
2: He's not going to talk deal
0: with anybody. Okay, but you have to take that chance, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and Columbus is going to say, like, we're not taking a rental return. Like, we're not going to give him to you for a yeah. fourth and a second. Yeah. Right. Um, what about Boston? Yes, I've written them down, too. so, uh, so yes, let's, there you go. Let's Boston has this. They've got... and. I mean, maybe there's a veteran involved to make the dollars work. I'm not sure about the cap situation. But Boston has the prospects and the picks to get it done. So you can go some combination of Ryan Donato, Trent Frederick, Jacob Forsbacka, of Carlson. You got a first this year. You got a first next year. You got a second this year. You got a second next year. Whatever combination of that, plus, as I said, some sort of veteran ballast. Um, and Boston's a big city. It's by the water, if uh, if we're to believe those are things that matter for Panarin. Um, and the Bruins are good, right? I mean, you think about, like, the California teams. Two of them are awful, and the other one uh, just can't af- – doesn't have the space for Panarin in San Jose. Um, you know.
2: If they clear our bodies, they do.
0: I guess if they clear out bodies. I think like, it's more – Because I, th-
2: I, I think – I personally think San Jose is going to be a front-runner for this guy. Though. I think they
0: want him.
1: So yeah. I have a couple thoughts, and they kind of tie together. Okay, So Doug Wilson told me this before the season started, that he feels like he. the reason why he traded for Carlson was he owes it to his veterans to try and help them win the Cup every year. So it is right. the type of trade he's willing to make. But at the same time, I think Columbus does want an NHL-ready body coming the other way. And I don't think San Jose has the right guy in the right tier, because it would have to be like a Thomas Herdle or a Timo Meyer, which I don't think is worth them trading. Whereas Boston, I think you can include a Jake DeBresque. And Nashville's the other team I'd be mm. looking at that maybe would have to include a Kevin Fiala. And, and I think mm. those are oh two players
2: but wow. they're both in the but tier. It, so San Jose's not going to trade a Thomas Hurdle, but Nash- Nashville's yeah, going to trade a I think Hurdle's more Fiala? established. But I think, yeah, Hurdle
0: has done more than. Yeah. Fiala's, he's got a lot of top um, end well, talent. The pointy he, point he heads, point, point point he heads love Fiala. I want to finish my pointy heads love Fiala. Of
2: course they They love Fiala. But
1: the point I want to make is Boston and Nashville are two (laughs) teams. (laughs) But they're they're two teams that are very all-in and also have a team that they need to overcome. Nashville needs the star power to be able to beat Winnipeg, so it's probably worth going all-in, sacrificing a Fiala to get a Panarin. And Boston, to be able to get past Toronto or Tampa Bay, they don't have the firepower, secondary scoring. So to me, those are the two teams to watch closely. San Jose, I think, has the desire, absolutely, to go to Panarin. But I don't know if they can... Create the right package.
2: I think this is a go for it scenario for San Jose, too. Like, I, I'm just, and I'm not doing anything but reading tea leaves here, but I just don't get the sense Eric Carlson's going, going to re sign with San Jose. Oh. Just, I just get that sense. The and time it, is
0: not now. Nice. It's not I kind nice. of feel uh. that, too. And I know. I, I just, yeah. like,
2: I just his, his body language last week, and when you asked about it, he was very, like, yeah, I love it here, uh, but I, you know, I. You know, I'm glad they're respecting my right to kind of think this over. I just, like I said, hmm. based on nothing, based yep. on nothing yeah. in fact, just on looking at tea leaves, I just get the sense that he might not be back there next year. So then this does become a let's go for broke here. Panarin for Carlson
0: trade. <laughs> <laughs> Who says agree. No?
1: It doesn't seem like a love fest. Like, I, I no. haven't been reading no. stories about either Carlson gushing about San Jose or the players gushing about him. They seem happy, but... I feel like if if it was a foregone conclusion he was coming back, we'd be hearing a lot more love. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I and I agree, tea leaves. It's not there's no proof of this, but it's just a a feeling I share that. So then
2: so then does it become a situation where San Jose is like Pittsburgh? It's like, yeah, we know that like I mean every team goes into the playoffs. Like, nobody should win. (laughs) Almost. You know what I mean? Like every team goes into the playoffs saying, the odds are stacked against us. I mean, president's trophy teams win have won twenty five percent of the Stanley Cups. Like that's still pretty that's still a pretty good odd. Mm-hmm. That's probably better odds than anybody else has. But the odds are always stacked against you going into the playoffs. You've got to have everything fall in the right place in order to win the Stanley Cup. Mm. Um so, you know, why not? Like why not go for it if you're San Jose? I mean they could I could see them winning the Cup. But just can they it. I could absolutely Can they put the
1: pa- do they have the right package? I definitely right. think yeah. San Jose wants to do it. Right. But I just because I was writing uh, an article on Panarin and last week. So I went through all the teams. And Boston and Nashville were two of the, the most likely. But I did have San Jose on the list. Because I, I, I feel like there's a desire there. But I just, I'm just not convinced they can get the right combination of guys to give Columbus. Because of the fact that Columbus is not behaving like a seller team. They want yeah. guys that can help them now
2: as well. Well, if it's picks, they don't have it. Because they, they don't have a first-round pick mm. forever.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, right. that's yeah, right.
2: Yeah, So, that, so if, if, if picks are involved... If draft picks are involved, they're probably not going to be able to do it. Mm. If their prospect pool is really good, Ryan Kennedy, prospect no. guy. Ryan Merkley. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, they already kind of like I mean they already shipped out prospects. Like, okay. Like Josh Norris. So then you so then you are looking at roster players.
2: You're definitely looking at roster players. Yeah. Right. You know, is it a Thomas Hurdle? Is it a is it a Jonas Donskoy? Is it a Timo Meyer? Is it, you know, and one to make it, it worth it for Canara,
1: yeah, it's gotta yeah, be somebody yeah. Yep. Of a couple of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, it's a tough scenario. We'll see. I, I'm. If I have to bet right now, I, I say that Columbus keeps Panarin through the deadline. But mm-hmm.
2: I, I bet – no. I bet no. I think they're going to get rid of him. I think Ooh. they're going to get rid of him. Okay. Right. I don't think they can justify to their fan base that they'll have nothing to show for this guy after the season. What's the bet? Uh, well, oh, I thought it was a metaphorical bet. <laughs> I guess so. Okay, what do for you want to bet? What do you want to bet? Uh, Swap paychecks? No, that's not uh, good. Uh, I mean, nope. Nope. <laughs> we'll think about it. We'll yeah, think okay. about
1: it. <laughs> uh. There's been talk, TSN's Darren Dreger was reporting it uh, last week, that there are executives around the league that are basically saying that they are preparing offer sheets for Mitch Marner in Toronto if he gets past that window. So it would be June 25th, the first Monday after the draft. That's when teams can negotiate with them uh, if there's no qualifying offer. Uh, So I'm curious what you guys think. I wrote about it last week. I crunched the numbers, and I, I don't think people understand how complicated it actually is to make an offer sheet to a player and not not hit that four draft pick compensation threshold. Because if you're making an office on Marner, we know that Mitch Marner is a guy who's going to probably want a long-term deal, seven years. But if you if you offer sheet somebody for, for seven years, the total average annual value of the contract, your total value of the contract is divided by five, not by seven. So the cap hit for the sake of draft pick compensation is higher than the actual
2: contract. It's four, right? right? It's four first rounders. Right. Starting in 2020, not starting in 2019. Right. Exactly. So I, I would think uh, there's a lot of teams. Like, there's a couple of teams. Like I'd, I don't think there is. They don't have it. I just went through them, and there's a, I think there's a fair number of teams that have their
1: first-round oh, picks. Oh, I the think so, yes. But years. to me, I just don't see a scenario in which a team is going to be willing to offer sheet Marner and give up four years of first-round picks. Not in, not in this young man's league. I, I, so And also, I also say that anyone who's leaking... The idea that they're doing it, I also don't buy that they're leaking it because they plan to actually do it. I think they're just trying to drive up the Leafs price. So in summary, I think it's all BS. I think that offer sheets are the Loch Ness Monster. We have not seen one in six years, and they're always short-term deals because of that compensation thing when it's an offer of five years or longer. All BS. I don't believe it. I do not believe that we will see an offer sheet for Marner.
2: Well, I don't think we're going to see an offer sheet for Marner because the deal... Excuse me, the deal's probably going to get done before July 1st. Yeah, I think, oh, that, yeah, I think, sure. that, I think that's why we're not going to see an offer sheet for Marner. But are you telling me that if Mitch Marner went on the trade, if if for whatever reason Kyle Dubix got up tonight and had a press conference and said, we're going to trade Mitch Marner, you don't think there would be teams that would be willing to offer four first-round picks for Mitch Marner? No. Four first-round picks? Yeah, in a trade. Four no. first-round picks. No, you no I can think... tell you,
0: I can tell you one team that would do it. Edmonton. And <laughs> I, I, uh, imagine yeah, Marner McDavid
2: four first still, round but picks. You have two players. Four first round you don't picks. have a first round That's pick for four years. Big deal. Who nope. cares? I don't buy. It. I don't believe it. Yeah. I, I don't buy you. I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I'm not buying what you're nope. selling, Matt. In, nah. in
1: this, in this, a team can turn around so quickly with their first round picks in this day and age that it's so much more of a young man's game than it ever was.
2: Look what the Leafs have done with four first-round picks. Look at their fourth. Yeah, but we're not, picks have been. we're not talking about teams that have picks in the top three or top four. Doesn't matter. But if you're a contending team and you're going to be picking 20th, 21st, 25th, and 28th in but those four years, who gives? a There's so darn? much parity in the league that
1: you don't know where you're going to be in three or four years. Right. You might be picking last. Right? You could get a team like Chicago. They won the division in 2017. They were last place the next year. Yeah. Right. So I don't. I don't buy it. B- I, S-
2: do. I do. I. Th- I think. I think. And 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 maybe it's not going to be Marner. But I'm telling you one thing, and I'm going to the bank with this. If Braden Point is a restricted free agent on July 1st, there are going to be offer sheets. Mm. I don't there think, are going well, to be offer sheets for Braden Point because, one, he's a stud. <laughs> Number two, at the very least, you put Tampa in a terrible situation, yeah. terrible situation if they have to. Match.
1: But you put yourself in a terrible situation. You lose four first round picks. Who cares? You everybody, get great everybody. <laughs> everybody. It You're getting Brandon turn. You're great getting one of, of the best cost.
2: players in the league. Then your
1: team's top heavy. In a couple years, your fan base turns on you because you gutted your future. I don't. I don't think it's worth. It. I don't think it's going to happen. Well you're it going happens. against Darren
2: Drager, you're going against Ken Campbell, and you're going yes, against Ryan King. <laughs>
0: I am. Well I'm going to take the middle so road. So we
2: know that you're wrong. You go. I'm going to <laughs> take... right, well right. I'm
0: going to take the middle road and say that the Martyr talk is just a smokescreen. I don't think there's any validity to the report. But I do think that a team could do it. I just I agree with you that I think he's gonna be signed way before that deadline.
2: All I know well I don't know this, but I'm gonna speculate this. Yeah. That if Zach Werenski, Sebastian Aho, Braden Point, uh, Patrick Line, Mitch Marner. If they're all free agents on July first and there are no offer sheets, if I'm the NHLPA, the first thing I'm doing is is filing a grievance for collusion. Call Robert Mueller. Call what? Robert Mueller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I. I because to me, like, how could those players, players of that ilk, be out there, and all you have to give up is draft picks for them, mm-hmm. and you're not going to do it? All you it have to give up is four first round picks. Yeah, mm-hmm. th- and which, yeah, that's all. That's which, all. Which, that's all. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, the scenario that I, in which I would agree with you about the possibility is somebody mm-hmm. offers sheeting like Casper Captain because you might be able to offer sheet him for just a couple of years, kind of like mm-hmm. what Calgary did with Ryan O'Reilly six years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a scenario I could see happening because you're in a much smaller, much lower. Compensation threshold that I can totally see happening, but a guy like Marner who's going to be seeking, I think, max term if, if at all possible. Who
2: I don't knows? Know. Who knows? Or I even mean, but even Austin years. Matthews. Austin Matthews isn't seeking right. Max but
1: term. even if you're more than five, even if it's six years, then it's going to put you in that compensation bind. So I think it's more likely that a a, a good but not elite RFA gets the offer sheet. Mm. Okay. okay. My two cents, bros. Yeah, well, you're wrong. I'm right. I'm right. But uh, no, well, let no. me know. Let me know when the offer sheet comes.
2: No. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't I don't think I'll so. I'll put my tail
1: between my legs, but just let me know. It'll be maybe it'll be twenty thirty nine, but just, you know, it's been six years already. Uh, time for some fantasy insider picks. Uh, the first couple are pretty straightforward. Uh, this point in the year, you, it's harder to find upside because a lot of the breakouts have already happened. So you're looking for trades, and, and when trades happen, it changes players' situations, of course. So you have Derek Broussard, who immediately gets dropped onto the right wing on a line with Vincent Trocek and Mike Hoffman in Florida. That's a fantasy-friendly situation for him. Suddenly, he's getting more ice time. He already gets a point in his first game. Very logical guy to grab. Uh, Nick we will see, because like you said, Ryan, Malkin wasn't in that first game. But said played with Phil Kessel. And I think there's still a pretty good chance in Pittsburgh, the way they run their lines, you're going to have good linemates in some scenarios. So if you're in a deep league, I, I don't know if Bugstad is going to be the type that's going to get power play time, unless they want to use his big body for a net front. Uh, but at least even strength is going to have good linemates. Uh, and the last one is Jack Roslick. And this one's a bit complicated, okay? So... Player of the week, has a hat-trick. That makes it seem like he's an obvious pickup. He's getting power play time. He had, when he had that hat-trick, I think he had three power play points in that game. Only owned in 4% of leagues, which is crazy. Mm. Uh, but you have, to, you have to look closer. The ice time is not being huge for him. And Nikolai Ellers, when he's in the lineup, it's somebody, a good forward is going to have to get pushed down to the third line. So what you hope is that Rostovic like, gets a shot to be the number two center. <coughs> right now he's playing on the wing on a line with Little and Line A. Uh, But either way, if you're in a deep league, he's a guy that you want to grab just to find out because we know the talent's there. He's extremely fast. He's a great prospect, former first-round pick, and he has the pedigree that if he shows, continues to show something, he's going to get more leash from Paul Maurice because he's expected. He was one of the top breakup picks, at least for me, going into the year. Um, But at the same time, you can keep the leash on your fantasy team relatively short because it's still possible he gets demoted and maybe he's on a bit of a lucky streak. The ice time has not been great, so we'll see about that. Let's turn it over to Ryan for Future Watch and some prospect
0: talk. Okay, so we'll start off with the 2019 draft. Alex Newhook of the Victoria Grizzlies playing in the BCHL, that is Junior A Hockey. 81 points in 46 games. That is the best in the league. Newhook is a Boston College commit originally from Newfoundland. Um, And just a dynamic young player. Uh, Not a huge frame, but... I love the pace that he plays with. I almost see him as like Robbie Fabry, maybe even better than Robbie Fabry. Um, Obviously, Fabry's had some injuries and and things like that. But uh, I I like the upside with Newhook. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in the draft uh, because there is a lot of talent up top in this round. But um, he's been very good out west, played at the World Junior A Challenge, played at the CJHL Top Prospects game. So he hits all those marks. And uh, the Victoria Grizzlies, they have actually a couple of guys up for the draft this year, so they're a fun team to watch. Now, moving over to Drafted Prospects. Got to do a shout-out to the Arizona State Sun Devils, an independent team, number eight in the pairwise rankings for the NCAA. Uh, basically meaning they have four games left, and they are pretty close to a lock to make the Frozen Four feel of 16. That's awesome. Incredible for a program that's only a couple of years old. Uh, Joey Decord.
2: Mary Elamie's kid plays for
0: them, too. There you go. Uh, Joey Decord is their starting goaltender. He's an Ottawa Senators pick. First time I saw him was back, actually, when he played at Cushing Academy, uh, the prep school out east. Uh, Big kid and uh, very talented. He's got a 931 save percentage this year. Obviously, much better than his previous couple of years when Arizona State was just kind of getting things together. He was always very busy for them, and he was one of my players to watch this year uh, coming into the NCAA campaign because, you know, I wondered how good could he be for them. Turns out that they actually do have some scoring support, but he has also been excellent for them. So uh, Joey Decord gets the nod. One of two drafted players on the Sun Devils, along with Calgary Flames pick, Dimitrios Kuzmantis.
1: All right. Excellent. Uh, we're going to switch over to the magazine right now. Currently on newsstands, it's the rookie issue. Elias Peterson, Elias Peterson, whatever you want to call him. Petey. He, Petey. He's on the cover right now. And Ken, you had a chance to catch up with him and wrote a story that's getting a lot of awesome feedback I've seen on social media and stuff. So tell us a little bit about what you learned from Mr. Peterson.
2: Well, I think the thing that is most mind blowing about Elias Peterson is the fact that in this day and age, we're in 2019, and every kid who comes up to the NHL has a skills coach, an off-ice coach, a diet coach, a this coach, a that coach. Elias Peterson had no skill coaching coming up wow. as a kid in Sweden. Like, you know, like Ferris Bueller, never had a lesson. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that is amazing. Like, But what he did have were the keys to the arena – in his small little wee town of Onge Switzerland, Sweden, sorry, he had, the, he had his dad ran the Minor Hockey Association. He was like the president, and he also kind of drove the Zamboni part-time and everything. So he literally had the keys to the arena. So he could go down to the arena anytime he wanted and just go and fart around on his own, play with his buddies, and that's where he developed his skills. When he was the, the, in, in, um, in Switzerland, or, why do I keep saying Switzerland? There's an under-16 tournament in Sweden. It's called the TV Puck Cup or whatever, and they've been playing it forever. and And it's all the best players, under sixteen players in Sweden. There were the year he played was 13-14. There were five hundred and sixty one players in that tournament under sixteen. Pedersen was five foot six, one hundred and three pounds. <laughs> Woo! he was. There were two guys in the whole country who were lighter than he was. Like he just, you know, the kid was just so small and so skilled and. You know, he's just a guy that I mean, Inga Hammerstrom developed a really good relationship with him. He's he's the uh, the Canucks uh, scout in in Sweden, and he had known the kid. They've you know they he had known him through his older brother and stuff like that. And and he just you know really sort of nurtured the kid and came up came along. And when it was time for them to pick fifth, uh, in. 2017. Is 2017. That it? Yeah. 2017. I, I mean, we all acknowledge that he probably should have gone first in that draft. I would think. I mean, as good as Nico, oh, yeah. he sure is. He should have gone ahead of him. He should have gone first. But you know, I mean, Inga Hammerstrom was a guy who said, you know, we gotta pick this guy, and they went out on a limb and they picked him at five, and they're reaping the benefits now. Like this guy is. One of the most purely skilled guys in the league and, you know, a guy who's, you know, I said, do you have a skills coach now? He's like, no, no. He, wow. says, well, he says, well, the team has one. And I kind of do stuff with him sometimes. But other than that, all on his own. Crazy. All Elias. And what yeah. we say in the
1: cover summarizes it perfectly. Just wow. Just wow. Yeah. Look yeah. for it on newsstands right now. Wow, just wow is what it says on the cover. Mm-hmm. Lee's Pedersen's story by Ken. Thanks, Kenny. And now it's time for your hot
2: take. So you can just keep on talking. It's a dream come true. <laughs> Awesome. For Kenny. Awesome. Nobody in hockey. Nobody in hockey is making a big enough deal out of the New York Islanders. Mm, nobody. Yeah. This story is the biggest story in like a decade as far as I'm concerned. It's bigger than Vegas last year. It's bigger than Vegas wow. last year. Mm. This is a team. At least Vegas started with players, It sounds right? like you're pitching a, a hotel in Reno right now. It's <laughs> bigger
1: than Vegas. I tell you, come on. It's the tops.
2: It's, but, it, I mean, Vegas at least had players. These guys were supposed to tank. Like, they were the worst defensive team in the NHL this year. Last year. Guess Sorry, last yeah, year. And now guess they're the best. The, guess who the best defensive team in the NHL is? The new freaking York Islanders. What other team loses their best player, their franchise player, and comes back and does this? This is incredible. This is the biggest story in hockey, in in a, I'm sure, in a decade. And nobody's paying enough attention to it.
1: I think that's fair. It's just crazy. You, you've had a pretty good pretty good season, I think, for kind of hot takes that we kind of agree with, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. But uh, I don't know. It's a hot take in that I like the, the angle of bigger than Vegas. I wouldn't say bigger than Vegas because of the improbability of you know any expansion team. And we say they had players, but no one said they had players the day of the expansion draft. Everyone, right. Like yeah. I, I said, I was like, oh, I know what the plan is here. I was at the expansion draft, and I was like, it's pretty clear Vegas is tanking. <laughs> and they made the like a final. So I don't think it's bigger than Vegas, but I agree. It's the biggest story of the season.
2: Yeah, I think it's bigger than Vegas myself. Mm -hmm. Because I think we all thought the Islanders would have like 40 points right now. (laughs) And And they they have have 66. Is
1: there any chance that uh, Barry Trotz doesn't win Coach of the Year and that Robin Leonard doesn't win the Masterton Trophy?
2: No. No. It seems like they're almost locked. right? No. Now, what I I think is going to be so interesting, too, is what if the Islanders go on a wicked playoff run here and they make the Stanley Cup final? Whoa, and they're whoa, playing in a building that has 13,000 seats. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Uh, uh, maybe they could just say, hey, Rangers, yeah. you're not using your arena right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Can we use Madison Square Garden for
2: the Stanley Cup final?
1: Yeah. Wow. yeah. Imagine the uh, Islanders Leafs Conference final. That'd be a oh, pretty man. great storyline. Yeah. unlikely, but it'd be yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah.
0: Does have Barry, to put barbed Matt, wire Matt on would wire get a hat
2: trick every game? Yeah, they yeah, have to put
0: barbed wire over the glass to make sure none of the Islanders fans jumped on the ice. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Do,
1: does Barry Trotz win coach of the year if the Islanders miss the playoffs? I don't think they're going to miss this well, point. Well, no?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's. I, I think it's. It's that's a moot point because they're in. They're in. They're like seven points up right now.
0: Yeah, they're pretty good shape. Yeah, I think at this point, he still big. he still wins it just because. Going from last to even ninth in the yeah. conference is pretty shocking. Like there, well, and yeah.
2: and going from and I think even more impressive going from being the worst defensive team in the NHL yeah. to the best defensive With team. With pretty in the minor NHL. personnel changes, yeah. Like, yeah. Or, well, other than losses, other than losing, and you yeah. I also lost Calvin
1: Dahan as well from the defense corps. Yeah. Yeah. crazy. Yeah, Un- unbelievable story. Uh, time for some mailbag questions. The first one is from Kyle at Boring Name Eleven. It's okay, Kyle. You're too hard on yourself, pal. Kyle says, why do teams wait until the trade deadline when their needs are glaringly obvious? I'd pay a little extra to have a guy move and play a a month and early. Well, Kyle, one thing I'll say, first of all, we are seeing a few teams make moves. I mean, the Leafs made their muzzin move. Pittsburgh did make a a trade as well, or they made two trades already. Uh, I don't think it's a matter of the team, the buyer team, taking its time. It's a matter of the seller team holding a bidding war and wanting to get as many offers as they can. Because if you're a seller team, there's not that much urgency, really. You can take your time and let offers trickle in and then make your decision. But let's (laughs) say if you're the Ottawa Senators and you're thinking of trading Matt Duchesne, assuming you're not going to resign him, you may as well wait till teams get more desperate. Same with the Rangers, Kevin Hayes, etc., etc.
2: Well, I think, too, with with the parity that exists in the league, you don't Mm. know if you're a buyer or seller until a week before the trade deadline, even at the trade deadline, you're not even sure, right? Mm-hmm. I think part of it too is just, you know, there's nothing that, that creates action like this, th- the pressure of a deadline, mm-hmm. right? And you see it all the time. Like, you know, I mean, the NHL and the NHLPA are talking now and it's all well and good and everything, but I'm telling you right now, if they get a deal, it's going to come down to the last minute. It's not, you know, I mean, look at, look at uh, William Nylander this year had, Two months to sign a deal. Came down to the last minute. It, it, there's that pressure of the deadline that I think spurs a lot of teams into action, and that that's part of it there, too.
0: Yeah, one other thing that I would note is that as you get closer to the deadline, it gets easier to make trades from a salary cap perspective because everything is prorated. So the longer you wait, the more cap space exactly. you technically that too. have. Yes. 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 So that too. Yeah. you can deal for guys with bigger contracts. Now, the only... Uh, Caveat: The only caveat here is if you're a seller and you wait too long, dudes can get injured. And yes, then, and then, oh, you yes, then you can't then you can't trade them at all because yep. they're out. For or the or
2: teams check off all their boxes and it's like yeah. yeah we wanted him but we got the guys we wanted now so uh, yeah. see you later.
0: We already have a Mike Green type. Sorry, yeah. Mike yeah. That's Green. Right. That's right. Yeah, it is yeah. a delicate balance of yeah. knowing when how
1: long to wait, but then not waiting too long. Yeah. That's true. Uh, next question. Appropriate name is Mark
2: Sad, and Mark Sad <laughs> says. Why are the Oilers so bad? Too much pressure? Poor Mark Zad. Uh, no, there's not too much. It's not because it's too much. It's definitely not because of too much pressure. No. You don't think it's a I mean, pressure cooker media market? Because there's no uh, other... Like, it's not like there's New, York's, also, New York's a big pressure cooker, and the New York Yankees win all the time. No, Manchester no, United... No salary cap. No, same, don't, don't use examples of teams without salary caps. It doesn't matter. New England Patriots. It doesn't matter. It's all within the confines Damn. of...
0: of yeah. It's all within the
2: confines of the league in which you play. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not because it's too much pressure. It's never because it's too much pressure. It's always, always, always starts at the top. Good and bad, it starts with the owner... And the management. And if you don't have solid ownership and solid management in place, you're not going to do well. If you do, you're going to do well, regardless of the market you're in, regardless of the pressure, regardless of whether or not people care about you or, or anything. It happens every single time. And the Oilers are bad because they've been horribly mismanaged for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's that simple. Yeah, they've they forced...
1: Players who are too young and too much responsibility too early. They've overpaid players whose contributions are marginal.
0: The list goes on. I agree with that. And I mean, you talk about pressure. It's like a lot of Edmonton media defends the Oilers no matter what they do. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think, other than the fans themselves, I don't think they're really under that much of a, a heat lamp. If anything, they're bad because they can't skate. Yeah. Other than number 97. And, and a guy, another guy, Kyler Yamamoto, who can skate, should probably be skating on another
1: team at a lower level. But yeah. he's being forced to... Right. yeah. Right. yeah. That, that's fair. I, I overall agree. The only thing I'd say is that, for whatever reason, I do think, especially when you hear from the players who have left, left Edmonton, it does have a pretty bad reputation in terms of the relationship of players with media, right? My, my theory is that Edmonton is a more isolated market geographically, so they're... they're I mean, you have the Eskimos... Other, than if you're a CFL fan, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of them in
2: Edmonton. Yes, I know. Uh, I know. Yeah. I'm just
1: ripping on the CFL because I like to rip on the CFL.
2: Yeah, well, but. that was such a great Super Bowl yesterday. You know, so the Great Cup, <laughs> the great Cup <laughs> sucks, and that was like the, an amazing Super Bowl yesterday. Yeah. Just amazing, like the best freaking. You know what, I'll give you that football acumen like we've ever seen. I picked. A, I picked a bad time to rip on the CFL, yeah, given that
1: that Super Bowl just happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but uh, my theory just being that maybe because there's that isolation, there's just when, – when the CFL season's done, there's just the Oilers. Whereas, like you said, New England, Ryan, but there's also – there's the Celtics, there's the Bruins. There's more just sports saturation in, in that mm, market. Yeah, but yeah. in the winter in Edmonton, like, it's the Oilers. That's yeah. all there is, right? Just from a pro sports perspective. Yeah. Uh, next question is from Beth Demo. and Beth says – do, do the weeks off for teams affect their first game back? She's referring to bye weeks. Uh, it seems like most players go on vacation. Does the break really help? It is a fair point. A lot of players do seem to take vacations, whether it's with family or kind of bro trips with their teammates. Uh, and you do seem to see some kind of lead legs in the first games back. And yeah. I always figured that it's, you, that's the trade off you get. You do rest some injuries, yeah. you yeah. rest your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if teams can do much about that. You're just going to have rust if you've been away for a week. But what do you guys think?
2: Well, the good thing about it is now everybody's rusty at the same time, basically, True. right? You know, so you so you're not you're not coming off a bye week, and the other team is like in the middle of a 15 game homestand or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Like everybody's taking the week off before or after the All Star break, so everybody sucks when they come back. Like I was in Detroit Friday night, and t- Toronto looked the Maple Leafs looked just god awful for a period and a half. It was like. Wow, this is this bye week really hurts, and also hurts that the game didn't start to late 30 because they had the Red Kelly number retirement, but mm-hmm. it was just... I didn't nervous. know you went to Detroit. I did. What were you doing? I went for Red Kelly's retirement. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh, number retirement. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't know that, but uh, you know. Well, what do I have to tell you? Okay, I'll give you my agenda for next week. <laughs> I so, appreciate so that. you know everything I'm doing, okay?
1: Oh, that's what I'd like
2: to say. <laughs> it's mostly next. <in> <laughs> <laughs> Naps and crossword puzzles. We'll yeah. just fill in there. <laughs> Anyways, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it really does affect teams in the short term, only in the short yes. term. Like, for like, they might look like crap for half a game or two periods, but then it sort of all kicks back in. I, I think it's, you know, I mean, I hate the whole buy thing because, you know, the NHL sits there and tells us, oh, we can't shut our league down for two weeks to go to the Olympics. And then they have a two-week period where they have, like, a total of uh, – Seven games. You know? Like, coming out of the freaking All-Star break.
0: Yeah.
2: Two games one night, three games one night, two games one night. There were like eight games in the first three or four days after the All-Star break. So, anyways, I hate the whole thing because they don't go to the Olympics and they're just a bunch of duplicitous... (laughs) We'll stop you there, Ken. We'll stop you there. But anyways, yeah. No, I think... For the players, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great for the players because... They get to recharge the batteries. They come back a little rusty for a couple of periods, and then they're and then they're fine.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's short term pain for long term gain, and uh, then you get back to it. I mean, the schedule does get a little bit busier, and think you get a little more back to backs because yeah. of the bye week. Yeah, it gets but, compressed. Yeah. But when you need points and you're running on adrenaline, it's not the worst. Tell you
2: boys, I play beer league hockey every Thursday night, and every Thursday night when I step on the ice, I'm ready to go. I'm freaking ready <laughs> to go. And I have a whole week off, and I'm just freaking ready to go. I got it going. I'm, I'm, the, worst. Sure. I'm, I'm sure. the worst player. Oh, I'm, I'm the sure. worst player on the ice. <laughs> worst player on the ice. I, I remember uh, this is
1: kind of sad. It was a it was a bye week, and I was asking Corey Crawford what his plans were, and he was like, and I was like, oh, and he's like, oh, I'm doing something with my family. I was like, where are you going? He was like, huh, no, nice try. I'm not telling you. And I was like, uh, <laughs> dude, it's all right. Like, I wasn't. I wasn't. Trying to to trick you into telling me where you're going. I was just making conversations. You were like, show up. I was like, Man, how jaded can you be? Like he really felt
2: like I was I mean, trying to like
1: broadcast where he was going. Probably took
2: his family to Disney World and he like wore one of the mask costumes so nobody would see who he was. I guess I don't uh, know. Yeah. But he said like it seemed so jaded. I was like, Man, you gotta trust a little more Corey.
1: I you know, I felt bad for him Yeah. Well, I feel bad for him now because he's yes. playing for Chicago. Yeah, that that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to end on that low note this week. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Now i got to clean up uh, the Coke that Ken spilled on me. Diet Coke. Diet Coke. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.